Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm chuckling a little bit. I've got ESPN.com open. And rarely, when you look over on the right side of the page and you see top headlines, is there anything that grabs your attention? And even more rarely than that, is there more than, like, one thing that grabs your attention? Listen to this set of headlines currently on ESPN.com. Sources. Snyder claims dirt on owners. Goodell. Okay. Mickelson says live on rise. PGA Tour declining. Okay. KD confident green punch won't derail Warriors. (laughs) Seems like a bit of an issue. Guardians Yanks game two postponed until Friday. All right, weather. Skipping a couple. How about this one? Qatar World Cup to have zones for sobering up. Oh, man. I've read more about that, by the way. If If you live in this state and you're planning on going, don't. Some people do. Don't. It comes here in 2026. Don't go. There are S- things S- that you cannot the do there yes. that you that, that just will shock you. And if you get caught, you want to go to Qatari prison for having your shirt off outside of a stadium? If you paint it up for the game and you enter the wrong zone outside of the stadium, off to jail? Nah. Wait till it comes here. It would not be... An inexpensive trip to go to Qatar. And so set aside the $20,000 that you were going to spend to make that trip and have some really, really awesome seats when it comes to the United States in four years. Yeah. I have a zone for for sobering up. It's called my bed. (laughs) It's, It's the safest place you can go. It's, when I'm not sober, I go to my bed, I close my eyes, I'm sober when I open them again. I was the king of Irish goodbyes, man. I mean, the second it hit me where it was like, okay, you are too drunk, I was just gone. Like, I didn't, hey, guys, yeah. uh, I got to go home. I'm not feeling right. It was just, see ya. Like, I am out. He just turned into, he just turned into Tommy Chong there for a second. <laughs> hey, guys. Like. <laughs> this is Sports Talk Mississippi, and there is a lot going on in the world of sports as we roll into a monster weekend in the in the corner of the sports world that we love the most, college football. 
There's a ton happening, and there's a lot happening all over the place, uh, including a Thursday night football game tonight uh, where the point spread is dead even. We might peek at that at some point this afternoon. But first, we'll tell you that you're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Timeout Lounge. If action on games is your thing, that is your place this weekend. You got baseball, you got NFL, you got college football. I'm sure there's soccer somewhere in the world that you can bet on. Uh, lots and lots and lots of uh, opportunities for you to get a little skin in the game. You can do that at the sports book at Timeout Lounge. Richard Cross. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. If uh, if you would like to hear from us, uh, I, well, I guess that would work. Are we, doing, are we doing cameos now? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, we could, but that's not I, what I, I meant will. to say. I will. I'll take your money. Yeah, I, yes, mean, I, I will, too, but I don't think mine's really valuable. Like, to do a cameo, I'd have to pay you 30 bucks instead of you paying me. Mm. What I was trying to say was if you would like to connect with us, the best way to do that is on the ceasefire text line, and that number is 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge, get gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business, backed by world-class support and specialists who live where you do, right here in ceasefire country. Check them out online, ceasefire business.com. Jeff in Oxford says, uh, there's Thursday night soccer right here in the state of Mississippi. Brian Haydad at the beginning of Thunder and Lightning on the radio last night. I, I heard did. you reference a uh, wager thinking that perhaps I had forgotten. I don't think you forget. I did not forget. We didn't put all of the sports in there. We said football, Baseball, men's and women's basketball, and soccer. Those are those were the sports that we identified that day. I mean, if you so we won't. didn't have softball, volleyball, anything of those nature. We did. I, I wasn't sure. I thought we had everything. Okay. No. I mean, so why if, did you pick soccer then? That's interesting. Over softball. Uh because Matt Mott, the head soccer coach, is my buddy. All right, then we'll go with it. I mean, I, you, you want sport? the honest hey, answer? Hey, that's the honest answer. You'd like him. He's a hey, uh, soccer. He's, he's a bigger guy. He, he's a. You got. You guys what? would get along. You think just because they're just because somebody's fat, I'm going to be their friend? He's got like, the beard. <laughs> you guys look alike. What are we? What got, are we like? Polar bears? We're just going to, you know, go. I, hey, I, you I, like to eat? Oh, I like to eat too. Oh, I, I got so your friends I. now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would get along with Matt Mott as well. I get along. <laughs> hey, with you, you like to just grab a spot on the couch and you know eat a bunch of chips? Yeah, me too. That sounds incredible. However, Borky is correct. You would like Matt Mott. You, you would like his sense of humor. Uh, he loves to cook, and he's really good at it. He. Um, I want you to find out his, his EPL team for me. He's got to have one if he's a soccer coach. He's got to have one. All right, I'll text him. I will. Uh, I will text him. So the. Uh, so that's our first matchup, then. Yeah. Yeah, we got Ole Miss Mississippi State soccer coming up tonight. We, and two good teams. I forgot to ask this for you, Hayden. We have a new employee here who is British, got the accent and everything. I forgot to ask him what his team was. <laughs> We've got to do it. We've got to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, he's a, just a perfect gentleman. I, I, I met him for the first time today. Seemed like a, a wonderful guy. We need to get him in here, though, to, to grill him on his. Wait, who are you talking team. about? We have Our a new employee here in the office. 
Oh, you're talking about in Jackson, in not, ja- our, not our guy on the coast that that does all the digital sales stuff. Well, that might be him. I don't know. I mean, he's been I just, with us for like a year. Well, I just met okay. a gentleman for the first time. I think I know. I think I know who you're referring today. to. I, I know who his team is. He was up here, and as soon as he started talking, I was like, I gotta know. And we had a conversation about it. What? Did, well, what was his answer? It was Crystal Palace. Hmm. He should. He no, that, should. That, that's how you know it's well. real. By the yeah. way, that's not, that's not a good team. No, that, that's the fact like that he when, said that's my team. That's like one of us going into like you know Tuscaloosa, like all oh, Mississippi State fan. You know we're telling the truth. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, that's like when my buddy Ian Vanner, who I worked with as the analyst on the soccer broadcast, was like Western City. Yes, like I believe you. I believe you. Yeah, I still yeah. can't get over the fact that the stupid World Cup is happening during football season. I, they did a promo the other day with like John Hamm and like other famous people talking about like the, the idea was football and football. How great is this? And I thought you're trying to sell me on it, and you can't. It's not great. This By should be way, happening in the summer. John Hamm was entirely hateable in Maverick. Yeah, he was. But that was his role. He played. It I well. know. No, I understand that he did. He. Yeah, I mean, maybe that speaks to who he is as an actor. But I mean, that guy. Come on. I know, right? But like the the amount of people that would buy into the World Cup had it happened in July, as opposed to November, it's not even close. So I'm going to be in. But you remember the magic of 2014. I actually was listening to you on the radio in 2014. That summer, before I took a job here, before I got mm-hmm. offered the job, before I even applied for the job, thinking, man, that Richard Cross seems like such a great guy. I, I wish I could work with him. And every day you'd be like, so Rhino, th- tell me what's up, basically. And it was awesome. And everybody was like into it. And all of your listeners were like really into it. I, I've told this story before. I got wrapped up in it. You remember Ole Miss was in the College World Series that year? We did a live show from Omaha. I mean, the the bars throughout Omaha were just taken over at night by the soccer stuff. And even after the United States got eliminated, Borky, I vividly remember I was mowing grass on a Saturday in Clarksdale with earbuds in, tied to my phone, listening to an international broadcast of a soccer match. Yeah, and that's awesome. And are you going to do that this November slash December? No. Nope. I am no. not. Nope. Not as much, no. Let's give it its due, right? Ole Miss and Mississippi State both good this year in soccer. Ole Miss nine three yeah, and two. Good. They have hit a uh, they have hit a skid though. They've lost three straight. They lost one nil to Tennessee. That was their first loss of the season. Nil. Then they went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. By the way, number three team in the country, beat them four to one. They lost two to one this Sunday afternoon to Texas A and M. So they are trying to get right. Mississippi State is nine two and three on the season. And uh, the Bulldogs are coming off back-to-back losses. They lost 1-0 to South Carolina last Thursday. They lost 1-0 to Auburn this past Sunday. So somebody's going to feel a whole lot better about themselves about 8.30 tonight, and the other team is going to be in the absolute dumps because it'll either be three straight losses plus a tie for Mississippi State or four straight losses for Ole Miss. Big deal tonight at Oxford. Sounds good. Yeah. Be a lot of fun. Sounds really good. Tom I'm Hart excited. will join us That's next. our first one, though. It is. It absolutely is. We will not talk with him about soccer. At least I don't think we will. Ask him who his team is, though. Okay. 
Maybe I'll let you guys do that. Sports Talk Mississippi. Tom <laughs> joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line when we come back. Mott says Manchester United is his team. I missed it. Who do you say? Man U. Oh. Welcome back. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think a squirrel jumped into my throat or a frog or something. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Tom Hart joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. My hope is that he can hear us and we can hear him. Um, Michael Borky has your, your caption as once dropped an old school reference during a game. How about that? That's accurate. Snoop, grab your green hat. We're going streaking. Is that it, maybe? <laughs> That's it. I think that is the uh, one. I'm not even going to tell you why we were talking about this in the previous segment, but uh, I was told I had to ask you who your EPL team is. <laughs> my English Premier League team, uh, the one that Ted Lasso coaches. He's my okay. guy. That's uh, that's a that, that is <laughs> a solid to have enough a answer. I don't know. I guess so. We, we, we don't we have, have this. To. We have Richmond. this running bit. Ar- what, uh, hey, Ed, what is Arsenal's actual mascot? The Gunners. Okay, so the Arsenal Gunners are really good. Oh. So one day I pulled up the standings, and Haydad was like, who's your team? I was like, uh, the Arsenal Cannons, based on what their logo looked like. He's like, you mean the Gunners? <laughs> I was like, maybe to you, but they're the Cannons to me, bud. Here's why I can't get into the Premier League, okay? like I'm, I'm looking at the table right now. It's not standings, it's the table. Arsenal in my right. opinion, has won four out of the last five. But over there, they would say have won four out of five. Man City have won four out of their five. They got a tie two matches ago. Tottenham's up there. They got, you would think the English would know how to speak English. They don't. The yeah. nouns and verbs must agree. My mom was an English teacher. Let's go, Britain. Yeah. Premier League, my butt. Queen's English <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I appreciate the only thing that, cool uh, about down. Queen's English is the is the Tigers' old English D on their hat. That's all I got. <laughs> D- Duke used that as the midcourt logo at Cameron for a long time, and then they got away from that also, and uh, you know had to put K's name on everything. So you are uh, you are headed to Lexington this weekend. Before we get into the game, I know you've done it before. Are you going yeah. to Keeneland tomorrow for or Saturday for any of the races? No, not tomorrow because we've got uh, Big Blue Madness tomorrow night. So tomorrow's a pretty full day for me. Um, I have a really good basketball team this year. Um, so maybe Saturday, uh, the weather should be pretty good morning, although it's supposed to rain afternoon, evening, last time I checked. So uh, it's a really, it's really cool people haven't been. I mean, I'm not a big horse racing guy, but. Uh, I've been to Churchill Downs once or twice. I've been to Keeneland a few times. It's just, um, you know, if you like sport, 
it's nothing more true than who's got the fastest horse. And then again, sometimes they, they find ways to make them faster. But that's another story. It appears as if Mississippi State has fast horses and Kentucky is not exactly a thoroughbred these days. Wow. I like the way you did that. You're um, welcome. I'm done here. To me, <laughs> I'd tell you what's what's different from my on state, and I don't, I don't know if you guys have sensed this or this has been spoken about to this point. We asked Coach Leach about it yesterday. Like it seems to me like that is a program where that is just brimming with confidence right now, and that you have to have confidence on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, I think in years past there's been times where the offense has said, especially since Leach is, yo, we can put up 40 points, but we're going to give up 45, so. How invested do we get in this season, in this team, in our teammates? And I think that's natural. I'm not saying it doesn't occur at any other schools. But that seems to be behind them. And, and this, my gut tells me, like, this is a very confident coaching staff. This is a confident team. This is a tight-knit group. And um, I think that, that bodes really well for them going forward. I mean, that, that LSU game was, in my mind, an aberration. And if they could have that one back, Ooh, yeah. Then where would that confidence outside the building be, right? So Mississippi State have a lot of confidence right now? I think so, yeah, and I think they should. Oh, you and missed I think it! feel confident going into Oh, what was I supposed to say? I said Mississippi State have a lot of confidence. Oh, <laughs> It's no good. No good. Um, Unbelievable. All right, so let's take the Mississippi State for a second. Defensively, really aggressive. If you go back and you look at the numbers that Kentucky has put up against Zach Arnett's defenses the last two times they've played, that includes a 24-2 win that Kentucky's defense was really good, but Kentucky had less than 200 yards of total offense. And then same thing last year, like 250 yards of total offense. What does Kentucky do to get going in a best-of-case scenario where everybody's healthy, much less where they've got an offensive line that's given up 25 sacks. Uh, Levis threw three picks last year, right? Is that right Correct. in that game? I yeah. mean, I did it, but, uh, yeah, it gets lost a little bit. Here's the bad news for Kentucky. If you ask, like, where, where are the fixes, there are no immediate fixes. Their offensive line is bad, and, and they're not going to get any better by Saturday night. They've had some injury issues at right tackle. Um, so they had to start a guy who's been in the been in the program a couple of years, but you just kind of look lost against South Carolina. South Carolina came into that game last Saturday with four sacks on the season, on the season, and I think they had five on the night. Uh, maybe maybe it was more than that actually. So um, and Will Levis, though he didn't play, I mean he's already been sacked eighteen or nineteen times this season, and he will be less mobile Saturday night than he was at least for the first half against Ole Miss and, and that he was throughout his career because that turf toe is still going to be a bother for him. It'll probably be a bother for him all season. And, and he is a very good, like he's an, an, an elite runner with his size. You know, he's kind of like Dak-like when Dak was at State in terms of running. Like that was a big part of what they could do with him. That's, that was his role at Penn State. And now that's essentially been shelved. So he's way more one-dimensional. I just think if they're going to have any luck, they're just going to have to hit on some big plays. And Levis has a big arm, and they've got a great wide receiver trio. They run the ball fairly well with Chris Rodriguez now back in the lineup after he missed 
the first four games of the season, uh, and you saw that against Ole Miss. Um, but he's not going to have much time to get stuff done, especially the way Arnett brings pressure. This may sound like a strange question because we're not talking about Tiger Stadium. We're not talking about Brian Denny. We're not talking about Auburn or any of the other elite environments traditionally. But what is that crowd worth at Kroger Field, formerly Commonwealth Stadium? Because I feel like they've turned that into a pretty good environment, especially for night games. Less Saturday than they would have been if they would have won. And I know that sounds this sounds really basic, but when they are fired up, that is, um, that is a very underrated crowd, in my opinion. Um, they all they emptied the building at the beginning of the fourth quarter against South Carolina. The the momentum that they had as a as a fan base, I think, has dissipated greatly. Now that being said, they're all going to be at, at the horse races all day, and they're going to be well served, and there'll be a bunch of brown water flowing. So it'll be a rowdy crowd, and they'll be fired up. But I I, I don't think it's going to be as impressive as we've seen in years past based on last week's loss and the fact that they could be look, very easily could be looking at a three-game losing streak at, at the end of this one. Another thing about Kentucky, uh, Mark Stoops was really, really displeased with the way his team played, and you heard that in his press conference after the game last week. They haven't done that. Like They've kind of developed an identity and created a culture, and they play hard and they play tough, and they didn't really do any of those things last week. D- does he have the ability to air quotes, rally the troops and and get them to come back and give that effort? Or is this thing spinning for Kentucky a little bit? Oh, I I think it's it will start spinning because I I think they're going to have their hands full Saturday night. Here's where Mark Soups built that program. He had the time and the patience from his athletic director to build it slowly, and he built it up front. And, And the strength for them, mainly was on the offensive line, the big blue wall. And they had one of the best offensive line coaches in John Schlarman, who coached through a cancer diagnosis a couple of years ago before finally passing away. They had to have it. Jeff Jagodinsky came in, the former BC head coach, his interim offensive line coach. Then they, they brought in uh, a guy last year who was a great offensive line coach, spent a year there, bailed, went to Alabama, and he left really late too, uh, if, I, if my memory serves. So they're on another offensive line coach, and that doesn't just impact the way you coach the offensive line. I mean, I, I think that goes without saying that, that much turnover impacts, you know, your technique and how you do things and how you teach them and how quickly they're learned and picked up upon. But the best offensive line recruiters are offensive line coaches. Yeah. And so I think that has had an impact on their talent level that's there now since Eric Wolford left for Alabama. They're on another another L-line coach. Um, and it's a, you know it, it's heartbreaking the way they've gotten there after one of their coaches passed away in the middle of the season. Like that's, yeah. that's something you just can't control, but it has put them in this space where their offensive line talent has dropped off. So that, that to me is where it all starts for them. And you can't, you just can't add, you know, it's not the NFL. You can't make a trade in the middle of the season. So, I don't think that turns around. Uh, on the other side, like Will Levis is a great leader. Your response. 
response to the Polk's pick six was so overwhelming in the first three weeks that you crashed our system. It is now back up. And we welcome you to join. You have from now until 1045 on Saturday morning to get your picks in. Supertalk.fm slash Polk's. That is the website. It is quite simple. Auburn at Ole Miss, pick the winner. Arkansas State at Southern Miss, pick the winner. State at Kentucky, Bama at Tennessee, Oklahoma State at TCU, LSU at Florida. Total points in the Alabama-Tennessee game, name, phone number, email address, done. That's it. I can tell you who the winner of Auburn Ole Miss is going to be. I can tell you right now, Jimmy Sexton. (laughs) Well played. I don't know if he's an option. I I assume he's Harson's agent, right? Because he's everybody's agent. So, Harson's a little down on the food chain. He might not be Sexton worthy. So, I'm just assuming he is for the sake of this conversation. Okay. Let's say Ole Miss beats the crap out of Auburn. Brian Harson gets a fat buyout. $15 And Jimmy Sexton obviously gets a percentage of that. And regardless, I mean, if Ole Miss wins the game, Harson gets the buyout. And also, his other client on the other side of the field, his name is going to show up in all the hot lists and all the boards and everything and all that. And he's got a negotiating chip when he goes to renegotiate his contract extension and raise with Ole Miss. He's just going to get richer here. No matter what happens on the field, Jimmy Sexton wins. He's got a great business model. Does he ever not win, though? No, no. He, I don't think he's lost yet. When his client loses, he, he wins more. <laughs> well, at least more immediately. There, there, there may not be a guy who who roots for his clients to be unsuccessful more in certain times than Jimmy Sexton. <laughs> You think Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy gives a little Sexton fist pump every time? Streak, he's like, oh, we're going to get a Christmas bonus this year. <laughs> I'll tell you when I think Jimmy Sexton is a winner. When he is able to negotiate the no offset clause. To me, that's the greatest thing going. And if you've got a hot candidate, you can negotiate a no offset clause. We choose to fire you, we owe you. It, it, the, it's just another way of saying guaranteed money. But the offset clause, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, is Brian Haydad gets fired as the head coach of the Super Talk football team. He was making a million dollars a year. I wasn't given enough time to, to put in what I wanted to do. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't that, That's not the point of the conversation here. Haydad gets fired as the head coach of, of the Super Talk Raiders. If there is offset language... If he gets hired by the uh, by the down the street Tigers, and they're willing to pay him six hundred thousand dollars a year, then we're only on the hook for the four hundred thousand, the difference. And he has to make a a good, noble effort to go get the head coaching job at the down the street Tigers. If there is no offset language, we fire him. We got to pay him a million dollars. Or whatever the number is. Just I'm being very simple in the explanation of this. And he can go coach the down the street Tigers for six hundred thousand. 
That to me the is the most Street impressive. Tigers. Yes, Down the Street Tigers. They bought into my vision, and I'm looking forward to doing things the right way and building a program we can all be proud of here and down the street. Good to know. But congratulations on getting paid twice. That's when. That's right. These guys really win. Yeah. And a guy like Brian Harson, whether it is immediate or a year from now, will get another head coaching job. Is he going to get another head coaching job in the SEC? No. No. How about Brian Harson to Colorado? Go back out west in the Power Five. That's a good call. Make three That's and a half million bucks a year. It'd be good. It goes to show you the difference, too, when you're Jimmy Sexton and you're dealing with guys like Ross Bjork versus the Carolina Panthers dealing with Matt Rule's agent. Matt Rule has a mitigation clause in his contract, which is what Matt Luke should have had when Ole Miss negotiated against themselves when they hired him. So when Matt Rule takes a job, his salary offsets the buyout. Yeah, as it the, should. Forty million, I think it is. I mean, so, it's a massive number. Yeah, people are putting all oh, Matt Rules getting forty million dollars. Yes, if he doesn't coach again from the Panthers, if he decides I'm going to thirty A, I'm done. The Panthers will give him forty million dollars. But as you've learned about football coaches, very rarely do they want to stop coaching football. Speaking of Matt Luke, he's kind of the exception. He's chosen to back away from the field despite having a really nice job, and he was doing a good job at that nice job, and he still walked away. If Matt Rule wants to coach again, the Carolina Panthers aren't paying him $40 million. They're paying him the difference in his salary with his new job in that $40 million, which is how it should have gone with Ross at Ole Miss. But again, NFL teams, even ones as bad as the Panthers, know what they're doing. Uh, somebody said, I have heard that there is one AD that refuses to deal with Sexton. Do you know who that is? A guy that won't have his job for very long, if that's true. Yeah, a guy who's not interested in successful coaches. Who is that? Who's the AD at Vanderbilt? I don't know. I mean, I don't... I mean, I want to say that somewhere in the back of my mind, maybe I've heard that before, but I don't think you can operate that way in college football. Whether you want to or not, how do you? How much of your candidate pool do you limit if you won't talk to a Jimmy Sexton client? Well, isn't it not even just head coaches, but also assistants? I mean, you, yeah, you got lots sure, of assistants yeah. that are. I mean, they're not necessarily represented by Jimmy himself. Jimmy may right. be the name they're represented on their by his contract his company, yeah. but but yes, it's CAA that represents them, and there are a number of agents that work under Jimmy, and some of them, one of them happens to be a guy that I know quite well focuses on up-and-coming assistant coaches. Like, that's what they do. They're identifying young coaches who they think might have a future in the business. But, I mean, it's less than that now, right? I mean, it's not just about what do we think you're going to be someday. It's got assistant coaches all over the place that are making seven figures. That's real money in commissions. No doubt. Real money in commissions. I'll take 5% of a SEC defensive coordinator's salary. Depending on which one. Yeah, Jeff in Oxford says, what does it say that Ole Miss is so often the last straw for coaches? That would be the second one this year. Talking about Jeff Collins, 
uh, at Georgia Tech as well. I think there was one more. Wasn't there one more game after the Ole Miss game before Georgia Jeff Collins got fired? It wasn't immediately following the it was Ole Miss game. It was two weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they I got mean, smoked yeah. by UCF, and that that was it. I think some of that is coincidence. I mean, there was the like the running joke for a while of you got croomed. You know, Sylvester Croom, yeah. Mississippi State team beats you, and the coach gets fired, and you know it happened a few times. Um, there was a tweet going around today: the last three Auburn coaches to lose in Oxford got fired the same year. But that's like people are misrepresenting that because Tommy Tuberville lost to Ole Miss and kept his job and went undefeated the next year. Well, the same thing with uh, with with uh, Chiswick, right? Chiswick didn't get fired until the uh, no. So Tuberville lost to Ole Miss in Oxford in two thousand eight, not in nineteen. You think in ninety nine? That game was in Auburn. Ninety nine and oh three were at Auburn. Oh eight was yeah. in Oxford. Yeah. Did he get fired after the oh eight season? Yeah, that's that was that's oh nine is Chiswick's first year. Hmm. And then in, what Ole Miss won in 12, 12. was it? And Chis- that's Chiswick's last year. Hmm. Okay. So the other one was, uh, I guess, 98 was Bowden. Bowden lost Ole Miss in, uh, in Oxford. Is that right? In 98? I mean, Auburn was bad that year. Did that Tuberville Bowden's beat last year. Auburn in 98? I don't I don't. And, and to answer that I question, find, give me a second. Auburn spent the off season trying to find dirt on Brian Harson, which, by the way, people are kind of ignoring now when when talking about oh, they the Auburn job. But they they wanted to fire him long before this game came. They wanted to fire him after the Birmingham Bowl last year, and they wanted to fire him after the Penn State. It's not Ole Miss is not going to be the catalyst for termination. They decided after the Birmingham Bowl in January, he's done. So, yeah, you're right. Ole Miss just happens to fall the week before their open date, and if Ole Miss were to beat them handily, it would be a convenient time to go ahead and move on. I don't get the sense from a lot of the people that cover Auburn that I've read this week, though, that that's just imminent. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Cost you a little more money to fire him midseason than it does at the uh, the end of the year. Ole Miss did lose in '98 to Auburn. That was Tommy Tuberville's last year at Ole Miss. Yeah, so I don't know that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We've got more coming up. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Lee Sterling will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. I think the message we got earlier was from uh, from Dale. Will you guys ask Lee Sterling when he's going to get tired of losing money on his Mississippi State bets? Ooh. He got Alabama right, though. He, he did. did. I, I don't know how he did, but he did. Tell me if you agree with this take. I've been thinking about the Alabama-Tennessee game today. I don't think Tennessee's ready to win this game yet. I know they've been tested. I really like Hendon Hooker a lot. And he's played a lot of football. And played in a couple big games last year. But between their pass defense and a starting quarterback, corner back getting arrested, and sometimes the hype doesn't match the reality. And there are people talking like Alabama's going to be intimidated by Neyland Stadium. No, they're not. That a Nick Saban-coached Alabama team is going to be shook by the environment. No, they're not. They've played in this already this season. I don't think Tennessee's ready to win this game yet. As a program, I don't think they have the bodies. I don't think they have the players and the culture yet to win this game. I've actually thought about that some this week. And is that still a thing? I think so. Right, right, right. There was a time where I believe that that was, like, that was the the process. Like, this would be the year that they get close, and then two years when they host Alabama, that's that's when they take the step. Um. I wonder if that's less of a thing in a transfer portal era where there's so much change on rosters year after year. I, I, I get what you're saying, and I don't know that I don't know that you're wrong, Borky. I'm I'm just trying to think it through. There's part of me that thinks Tennessee is ready. Like that this is the next step. Like they had the massive stage on that Saturday night against Ole Miss a year ago. And it felt like they weren't ready. Like, if you think back to that game, it felt like the stage was a little big for Tennessee that night. They made a bunch of mistakes in the game. And they were playing a really, really, really good quarterback. Alabama's got a really good quarterback. Will the stage overwhelm Tennessee again? They're not doing the checkerboard thing, are they? I don't know. I don't think they're checkerboarding the stadium this time, which normally does. Now, they, they kind of got that off their back against Florida this year, but normally that doesn't work out well. Now, if Bryce Young's not available, maybe things change, uh, of course. I'm very concerned, for, just from a football standpoint, Tennessee's defense, I'm very concerned about it. You know, I don't bet very often anyway. I, I wouldn't bet this one because if Bryce Young, if he is effective, if, if he's good to go, if he plays and he's effective... He's going to carve them up. Absolutely carve them up. Because, frankly, a lot of people have. They're just winning, which matters. But if we think Arkansas has got the worst secondary in terms of, one, statistics and and the way they look, Tennessee's the second worst. 
in the league. And now they should be without a starter because he got arrested last weekend. Do we really believe that guy's not going to play? If you get arrested for play. beating somebody up, I'm, I mean, my God. Yeah, but it what was another that? dude. What what message does that send? It was a dude, though. It was a dude who actually entered his house illegally. Apartment. It sends the message that they want to beat Alabama, which is all yeah. that matters. You can't play him. You can't play him and then turn around and talk about the stuff that coaches love to talk about. Josh Heupel doesn't do a lot of that, though, does he? If Heupel beats Alabama, that's what he's going to be talking about. If you haven't seen the story, Tennessee had a uh, defensive player who on Sunday had an intoxicated man enter his apartment who lived in the same apartment complex but in a different building drunkenly and then he exited and he apologized and the Tennessee player followed him. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us tomorrow. Sports Talk Mississippi. In addition to uh, the rest of the crew, Gallo tomorrow morning, Gerard with middays, uh, all going to be at the uh, Ole Miss Banking Symposium. The Gallo Show. Middays with Gerard Gibbert and Sports Talk Mississippi in Oxford, the convention center tomorrow for the Ole Miss School of Banking, uh, School of Business Banking Symposium. For 20 years, this event has been an important part of guiding our economy in Mississippi, so we look forward to uh, being there. Next week, Middays with Gerard will be live at the Tupelo Furniture Market on Wednesday to kick off the 20th anniversary of Celebration Village. Celebration Village is a huge event with Christmas and home decor, food vendors, pottery, jewelry, and every gift you can imagine all under one roof. And Celebration Village benefits Sanctuary Hospice, Sanctuary Hospice who cares for everyone who can be admitted regardless of their ability to pay. Do we have a remote where a person is more in their element than Gerard at the banking symposium? It's probably the best. I mean, unless we... I said, unless we're going to have one at like Two Brothers Barbecue here in Starkville, I don't know where we could do it at. You know, when we broadcast live from a sporting event, that that I mean, that fits pretty well. I mean, we're we're in our own, but I don't know if if we're hand in glove the way that works tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to be filling in for uh, Paul Gallo tomorrow morning. So uh, early start, double duty tomorrow. Don't be cranky when this. Don't be cranky when this show starts. I don't want to hear anything from you. You got to get a got to mix in a nap in there somewhere. Yeah, you got to take a little nap. Middays with Richard Cross is going to be involved on the couch. <laughs> I got like a busy 36 hours. So we finish here oh. tonight. Flag football tonight. Game two for the Packers. All right. Uh, and then. Um, 
uh, fundraiser event that we're going to tonight for the for the University Museum. Apparently now I'm doing a radio show at six in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> and at three tomorrow yeah. afternoon, and uh, an event on campus that we're going to tomorrow night, and then uh, there's a, a bit of an early start for a football game on Saturday. So, so I'd say you don't even get the, 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 the joy of a six o'clock kick to, to sleep in a little bit. And State's going to play early. until like nine thirty, so you can't even do the early bed thing either. Like, <laughs> no just... way that game's over at nine thirty. I bet it's over at ten thirty. Yeah, true. Yeah, very true. Yeah, um, like that. So, so I hope the fundraiser goes well. What I'm about to say is not an indictment on art museums. I think they are very valuable to our culture, mm-hmm. and they I should can't wait to see where this is going. Th- they should continue to be in existence and funded well and all of that. Is it cold? There's a but coming. I just want to see where this is going. Some art is the biggest grift on earth. What do they call it? Do they call it contemporary art? Isn't that what it is? (laughs) Where, Where you get some joker that has an easel and they get black paint and draw like a half circle and put a couple dots and sell it for $6,000. And you've got like faux intellectuals that go to these uh, like art galleries with their $20 cappuccinos and hmm. <laughs> you can what really. $20 for a cappuccino. New York City. You can, re- hmm, you can really feel. New York City. The, the artist's mood. This is an expression of. The, the corporate stranglehold on our what society. It's like, no, no you don't what, feel what that, I'm hearing, you idiot. What I'm hearing, Borky, is you need to grab an easel and some paint and start grifting folks. Yeah, I do. I mean, it seems just, like it's pretty easy. I mean, James will be three soon, and so I just need to like give him, him some paints and then put him online at some special auction mm-hmm. and then give him a name like... like I don't know. Yeah. Or or Gerard. It just this is the artist Gerard. And that's what his just name is. The artist one name, Gerard. One name. Gerard. One no no one name. James. James. And that's his name. And and people are like He's brilliant. It's <laughs> like, James. You can, it's actually pronounced it's Hims. Have you seen that video? Of the- <laughs> exactly. And I could make a killing. I, and credit to these art people that are doing well, then this. do it. Quit talking about it. Do it. I quit talking about checks. it and be about it. They, they've got they've got to be laughing when they sell these art pieces, which is just a couple of lines in two different colors for tens of thousands of dollars. They're laughing at everybody, right? They, they are. I hope like, they're in on the joke, yes. Like the guy that duct taped the banana to an easel and that sold for like seven figures. Well, now that's just dumb. That's just right. Dumb. Have you seen so, the video of the guy running? Uh, he's got a blank white wall in, in a museum. Blank white wall, big wall, mm-hmm. and he has got a crowd of these people watching him run with a paintbrush in his hand. He jumps on a little mini trampoline and draws like it just holds his arm out on the wall, and it makes a line on it's the wall. Performance art. And these people are just sitting there like they're so inspired and they're thinking so deeply. No, it's some joker with long hair jumping on a trampoline. It's a workout. Yeah, he's he's sitting here it's doing art aerobics. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover my body in different colors of paint. I'm going to jump onto a trampoline, <laughs> onto a white wall, just splat. And whatever comes out, that's the work of art. <laughs> mm. 
Just give it a Rian. creative name. So, so since you have given it all of this run, I actually think that this is the second coolest fundraiser that happens in Oxford. No disrespect in putting it in second place. I just happen to think that the coolest is Taste of Oxford, which is the fundraiser that I'm involved with for St. Jude and have been for a really long time. This is a dinner that is outside at, at on the grounds at Roanoke. It's really, okay, really cool. Sick. It's 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 local chefs. Well, they don't, and they, they don't do, want to see me shirtless then. No, they they probably don't. Um, the way they the way they set this up, Borky, so they've got lights that are kind of strung from you know cedar to cedar, and then you get out to the open area, which I don't directionally, I don't know what side. So as you're walking up, it's like to the left side of the house. And there's this big cedar post that's probably 20 feet tall. And they've got lights that are strung off of it, kind of circus tent style, in every direction around this big, open, almost pasture. And it is absolutely magical. So, really, uh, really cool event. That uh, That's really cool. So, I called it contemporary art. It's not contemporary. Contemporary, like... Based on my Google search, requires talent and skill, so it's not that. I, I said that incorrectly. All right then. Who's your favorite artist? Shout out to all photographers, mostly. I I love uh, like okay. See now I'm about like to expose with, like myself. Like when James grabs your phone and takes pictures. Yeah. No, I like the the people that that do wildlife photography. That's some of the coolest stuff. I, I love that. That's cool. Very cool. Like you got a big blue heron, like like just walking along a, a, a marsh or something. Yeah, that's good stuff. I like that. Uh, let's see here. Rich taking air. We'll debate one. Manet versus Monet later in the show. Mm-hmm. It's actually cross one. It's not air one to the fun. No, wait, I mean it's yeah. four. Oh, it's from it's my minimalism. House. Mm. It's something. Hey, Dad, at Roanoke with no shirt and wearing body paint is something I would give to charity to see. <laughs> what, what what charity does this, does this benefit, Richard? I missed that. Uh, it's, the, it's the University Museum. Oh, it's it the, benefits Ole Miss directly? It's the museum. It's the whole reason that we've been having this conversation about art that Borky has gone uh, off on a tangent about. Okay. Hey, I've got no, opinions, can't, buddy. I can't. If it had been for like a hospital or something, I'd be I would be willing to do it for for the right donation, but not this. Yeah, one. I don't know that the people that put this event on would actually be interested in you raising money via that. So let me tell you means. something: people who people who raise money are interested in money. If we say, "Hey, this person they'll donate twenty thousand dollars," if I show up with no shirt and body paint, they're like, "Yes, Mister Haydad, we'll have a table for you. We'll have a stand for you for people to view your awesome body." Somebody says that they would give not to see that. Actually, hey, Dad. Now, we, now we're playing the the, the 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 odds here. There we go. Who's going to bid more? I, I found it an abstract. I'm taking a small cut of this, by the way. A, a print, so not an original. An abstract, which is a seventy-two by fifty-four inch white rectangle with just black squiggly lines all over it. That's all it is. Looks like they gave a toddler a black marker and just went all over it. $1,700 to get a print of the original. Jen and I were talking about that. We, uh, We were talking at dinner the other night about art. 
No, no, that doesn't happen very often. She loves art. I don't like my level of appreciation is if she loves it, I'm for it. Um, but she's as like she was talking about a painting that she liked, and I said, "It's a it's a painting, right? It's not a print. It's it's like the actual painting." She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, well then, great. Hope you love it. Let's do it. I don't want to buy a print of anything." Yeah, it's like. If we can't afford to buy the painting, then let's save some money a little while longer and buy the actual painting or find something else. I don't know. Lee Sterling coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Borky does art. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. you on this Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. I bet Lee Sterling's an art guy. I bet he likes art. Lee Sterling joins us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Lee comes to us every Thursday from Paramount Sports online at paramountsports.com. Lee, what's up? I do like art. I like good art. <laughs> Interesting art. <laughs> there you go. Borky was, uh, well, never mind. We won't bore you with uh, Borky's art takes. Uh, we'll, we'll do is that it, another is day. It like dogs got... playing poker? Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's got to be the original. Had Everyone had that in their college dorm. Am I right? Yeah. That or Johnny Cash giving the middle finger, yeah. That too. <laughs> you, Lee, you know what I really want that I will never be able to afford, but I want desperately? I want an original George Roderick Blue Dog painting. Okay. Okay. You've seen those before. The, the yeah, Blue Dog yeah, paintings? Those I, are awesome. Yeah. They are ridiculously expensive. Yep. So, All right, let's get into some of these games. Maybe if I win some games, I can buy a Blue Dog one day. There uh, you go. Speaking <laughs> of a dog, how about Mississippi State? They are a favorite, but the Bulldogs are... Um, Headed to Lexington this weekend, and they are a favorite, although this has been a volatile line this week. It has, and I think the reason it's gone up as much as it has is Will Levis. It looks like they're telling you, if you look at the line, he's not going to play in this game. And without him, they're just a different team. I think when he gets to the NFL, you're going to say, wow, this kid might have been the best quarterback in the entire college football game right now. So he means a lot to them. And, you know, that's one big problem. And some people will say, well, okay, Kentucky gets to face a passing team. They don't have to face teams like the two teams that beat them running the football. South Carolina ran the ball 42 of 61 times, and then Ole Miss, 39 rushes, 29 passes. So State's going to bring a pass-heavy offense. They throw the ball over 66% of the time. But they use, as we know, those passes, like a running game, short, high percentage, yards after catch, just getting to second and four, second and three, and then they're on their way. So I just, I'm looking at this Kentucky offense, and even when Levis has been in there, they've had some troubles. I mean, they've underperformed a little bit. They're averaging just 356 yards a game last year, 
424. As we're seeing now, once you get to the fifth, six games, stats really come into play, and you can figure teams out on top of just watching them play. So uh, I like Mississippi State. Don't normally like to lay double digits uh, with a Pirate, but uh, might be but, the right side. Th- this thing has moved, though. I mean, that's what I was talking about with the volatility. So early Mississippi State was a small favorite. It ballooned. Right. It's come back down to four. I mean, all of the so indications is Will Levis is going to play. Maybe he's going to play. Maybe he's going to play. I still think that they, he can't be a hundred percent. You know, then they still win the game, something like thirty-four twenty-seven. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with Crazy. you, and I don't even think yeah. it's that close. I mean, I, I, it's almost like they're begging you to take Kentucky. I just think Mississippi State's better than Kentucky, just right. period. So yeah, they are. Just, they had that, that game against LSU it looked like they were in control, and sometimes you think you're going to get it back, and you just can't get the momentum back. All right, game of the day of the week of the year of the century, Alabama traveling to Knoxville. Bama's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. There are a lot of people that think this is Tennessee's moment. Are those people wrong? So the last five years, the closest they've come to Alabama is 22 points. I do think that they've closed the gap, obviously. But Bryce Young, I think, is going to play. I think they're going to give it a shot here. That's why the line moved up from seven to seven-and-a-half. And Tennessee's got some injuries. I mean, Cedric Tillman's still not playing. He caught passes for over 1,000 yards last year, 12 touchdowns. They could be without two of their top four defensive backs and Jalen McCullough and Warren Burrell. Um, this is a four-year and a two-year starter, and it's not like their pass defense is very good. They're ranked 128th out of 131. Um, Tennessee was kind of gifted that win last week. I mean, LSU, it's like the kid you hand milk to, and he doesn't even make it out of the kitchen. He spills it up all over the floor. And I mean, that, that fumble on the opening kickoff just kind of told you something, and then the 58-yard punt return early. Um, Tennessee unbeaten at home, but they haven't played anyone. Series visitor also 23-7. and I think Nick Saban's going to get the job done here. Roll Tide, 45-31. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Okay. Yep. 45-31, Alabama. And, and you were on the other side last week. You you took the points that Texas A&M was getting, but uh, different scenario this week. So, yep. uh, good stuff there. Uh, Ole Miss and Auburn. That's the best thing about gambling. You can go from one week back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's different yep. than being a fan, right? You, you just yep. uh, go with what you believe that week. So, yep. Ole Miss and Auburn. What do you think? A lot of people used to, you know, talk about time of possession. Just shows you how much the game has changed. So Ole Miss scores 52 points, 591 yards in only 18 minutes time of possession. So, you know, it just tells you you got to do something with it here. So I would maybe even look at Auburn if they had a ball hawking secondary, but they only have one sit, one interception this entire year. So I don't know what they're waiting for here. Uh, I mean, you would think that they would have fired their coach already by now, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe something's going on. Uh, but Brian Harson, this might be the game they'll let him go. I like Mississippi. I think they win the game, 38-17. So 38-17, Ole Miss over Auburn. Lee, tell people uh, what's going on uh, as we continue to roll through October. Yep. So what we got going is called Locktober. Three weeks from now through the end of the, the month, the 31st, and 37 and 19 over the last five weeks in the football. So I rate my games from 10 to 50 units. 
we have only had one 40-unit selection this, this year. I have two 45-unit plays going this weekend, one in college, one in the NFL. You want to get involved, go to the website, just 247. Use coupon code SAVE100 at ParamountSports.com. First offer, we call it locked over. All right, so how do you decide a play is a, a 45 or a 50-unit selection? Well, I, I, I've got more things. I think I've studied something. I see one team, you know, has an advantage, you know, as far as uh, how their their offense is going to probably play against that defense. I'll never forget, there was one time, uh, one of the academies, I think it was possibly Navy, was playing a team, and the whole coaching staff had never coached uh, against an option offense like the second game of the year, and ended up winning the game, you know, like 50, 54 to, to 12. So we're looking for games like that where, you know, you've yeah. got an advantage, maybe some injuries are involved, um, you know, team's hot. So uh, we're just looking, and, and a lot of checks a lot of checks uh, go in all the boxes. So as long as something crazy doesn't happen, I think we're, we're going to be on the right side of both games. And we're 51 and 18, these 45 and 50-unit games the last decade. Game of the week, the one you're giving away this week, Florida and LSU? Yep. Uh, they want to get it for free. Pretty close game as far as the spread is concerned. Just call 800-400-9741. Give them the game for free. 800-400-9741. And check out all the free videos. bunch of big games going on around the country. Michigan, Penn State, TCU, Oklahoma State, Utah, USC. All those videos up and available. All the offerings, all the sports, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and UFC, ParamountSports.com. Let me ask you about one more while we got time. Let's okay. go to the NFL. Uh, yep. Afternoon window on CBS. Bills right. are 4-1. and one, Chiefs are 4-1. and one. Uh, Chiefs on Monday Night Football get the win over the Raiders. Short week for them. What are we thinking here? Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorite, but on the road. Everyone talks about the game in the playoffs, and obviously it's one of the greatest games of all time. 42-36, Kansas City wins. But they went in, Buffalo did in the regular season, and they beat Kansas City by 18 points, blew them out. So I, I think that Buffalo's better than last year. They're front seven deeper. Um, they get to the quarterback more. And I think those receivers of Buffalo, everyone knows Devontae Adams had a field game uh he just was. I mean, he just running by defensive backs for Kansas City. Buffalo has three of those guys here. I think they win the game by two touchdowns, forty-two twenty-eight. All right, we'll keep an eye on that yep. one this weekend. Lee, thanks as always for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Richard. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, ParamountSports dot com. Interesting thoughts. Interesting there. thoughts. Likes Mississippi yeah. State to cover. Yeah. Likes Ole Miss to cover. I'm torn on that one. I'm going to make a final decision tomorrow. Likes Alabama to cover? I don't I don't get the sense that you're going that way. I am not. Don't get the sense you're headed that way. No, we're going to take a risk on that one. You're going to go with all the Hey, sports, by the way, the last three weeks, 12-2-1 on this show. So I'm just saying. There you go. So what, you're playing 1000 bucks a game, right? I wouldn't be on this show if I put those parlays. Well, now hold on a second. You you can't quit your job based on betting a thousand dollars a game and having a hot streak for three weeks. 
If I, I, I'm just saying I would be opening up my own handicapping service at that point. I mean, if you've been a million dollars a game, maybe you're shutting it on down and easing into retirement. But we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Rich Haydad. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices. Plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm. The Super Talk Mississippi app. And always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Are you ready to buy some of George's artwork off of uh, the ceasefire text line? See, and that's what I'm talking about. What George does requires talent, skill, a creative mind. That's good stuff. That is something that I would hang in my home. Two lines. So we, we went to dinner for my wife's birthday last weekend, and there was a local artist. I'm not going to say the name because that would be very mean. That was selling for many, 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 many hundreds of dollars the kind of art I'm talking about. Two dots in a circle. Two dots in a line. And a kind of cool little shape on a bigger canvas. And the room that we were in featured all of this person's art, but a couple of them were missing because they sold. Six, seven, eight hundred dollar pieces. I'm talking like twelve by twelve little canvases, and that's all they were. Like I have not stopped thinking about somebody spent hundreds, and one of the pieces was bigger, thousands of their hard earned money on something my dog could have done. My dog can't do what George can do. No. I mean, if he could, you really should like start. Producing that. I think I mean, these are phenomenal. I thought, I thought the snow that, picture yeah. was a picture at first until I opened it bigger. It's phenomenal. You should see if George wants to sell it. I probably can't afford this, but yeah, I, I mean, I would. Um, <clears throat> we have we have a texter who asked to keep his name anonymous, although we call his name on a pretty regular basis. He said, "Naked woman paintings are awesome. My wife is not a fan of them, though." I don't know if he'd appreciate me telling the story or not. So, so my dad has since retired, but uh, he was he was an executive at Michelin for a long time. And Michelin's headquarters were in Greenville, where I grew up. Now, Michelin's a French company. And they own BF Goodrich and, and Uniroyal and Pirelli and other stuff. And one year, the people at Pirelli sent all of the, the guys at Michelin a calendar. And it was all naked women on this calendar. And the way, I mean, these are married American men that they send this calendar to. These guys have them hanging up in their homes, like with their family. And it's just the cultures are different. But my dad was like, ooh la la, I can't hang this crap up in my house. Do you want it? And I said, yes, sir. And it was, I don't know where it is now, but it was hanging up in the fraternity house uh, for, for a while. But that's what they gifted their business partners. <laughs> and it was huge, guys. I'm told, I, it was this uh, three feet, probably by three feet, were the pictures. And, like, well done. I mean, it, it wasn't... <laughs> it, was, it was tasteful. But that that's what they Tastefully sent these done. people for, like, their holiday gifts. Like, thank you for being in business with us, guys. Here's a present. 
And it wasn't like a nice watch. It was a, a calendar of naked women. Bunch of naked ladies. With the Pirelli logo everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my it's gosh. It's Ferrari tires, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, guys, so Jim Phillips spoke up yesterday. They've got the ACC Basketball Media Days going on. If you don't know who Jim Phillips is, he is the commissioner of the ACC. And he told ESPN that there is lots of push to expand the college football playoff in 2024, Um, which is what Mark Keenum told us a month ago was what they were pushing for, right? I mean, it's it's not next season. It's the 2024 season. We're in the 2022 season. So we're talking about this year and next year without an expanded playoff and then the 2024 season being an expanded playoff. So I appreciate the quote that there's a lot of push for that. This bothers me a bit more. We're trying. We're committed to doing it. We really are. Across 10 conferences in Notre Dame, we feel really good about the work that's been done across all 10 conferences in Notre Dame these last five, six months. We're really unified in trying to get it done. Just the logistics of this thing are difficult. It's not insurmountable, but time is not a friend of ours right now. Time is not on our side. All right, boys. Here I go. Do you know whose fault it is, Jim Phillips, that time is not on your side, you schmuck? You're the reason time isn't on your side. A year ago, you were the moron that stood up there. We just don't feel comfortable at this time as the Atlantic Coast Conference as a whole. We don't think this is the right direction at this time. Remember last year when we talked about the fact that his teams weren't going to get into the tournament? Because they weren't any good last year? What happened? ACC didn't get into the tournament last year. Now, all of a sudden, there's a lot of push to get this done. Yeah, time really isn't on our side. You know what? If you'd started a year earlier, time would be on your side, you moron. All right, breathe. There's a Take lot breath. of push to try to get this thing done. Could have been done already. Phillips also said... Echoing the comments of Greg Sankey, which, uh, you know, like a while back, Greg Sankey was the devil. Mama, she's the devil. That was not, not your best effort. Yeah. Hey, hey, that at least he made a movie, rest for, uh, movie reference. Do I thought he sounded like uh, Tom Cruise trying to do the Jack Nicholson there when he was doing Jim Phillips. He was like, I eat breakfast 50 50 yards from Cubans who are trained to kill me. Echoing the sentiment, the statements of Greg Sankey, who opened this conversation back in August, Jim Phillips said, you know, it's it's time to look at expanding the uh, NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah. He didn't say it's the crown jewel of all our championships. There's nothing that really duplicates it on both sides, on the men's side and the women's side. So you have to be respectful of not messing it up either and understand it's really... Can I tell you quickly why Jim Phillips of the ACC is suggesting that the basketball tournament be expanded? Because of his balance sheet and the balance sheets of the schools in his conference. 
He knows what the SEC's balance sheets are going to look like, and he knows what the Big Tens are going to look like, and he knows that the schools in his conference do not have portfolios, if you will, that are going to look anything like those from the SEC and the Big Ten teams. Why does expanding the basketball tournament matter? Because the ACC would get more teams in, and therefore more revenue would be generated. Period. has nothing to do with who he thinks should get in or not get in. It has nothing to do with propping up the little guy or making sure the right conference champion's in. It has to do with getting more ACC teams in the tournament, therefore generating more revenue. I have zero issue, no issue whatsoever, with expanding the basketball tournament. But it's nothing more than a money grab. I'm fine with the money grab. You make the tournament a week or two longer, okay. Let's do it. More basketball is better. You still get the upsets and everything else. I don't care how you do it. Whatever. Just call it what it is. Yeah. Just call it what it is. The reason the ACC's all of a sudden for an expanded playoff is one they didn't get a team in last year, and they're like, "Oh wait, that was dumb." And number two, guess what? It's going to generate more revenue, and his teams need more revenue. You better get on board. I fail to see why they need to, I guess aside from money, but the, the, the basketball tournament expanding I think is ridiculous. There you is have, no aside from money. You have 68 teams that make it already. 68, and you're going to talk to us about access? 68 of them make this tournament. There is not a team that they could add that would have a chance at making the semifinal. The semifinal. You can cut every NCAA tournament team or every every ter- or field in half. Cut them all, every single one of them in half, and never el- eliminate a champion. We're going to have a conversation about expanding the baseball tournament also? Well, that doesn't make money, so no. You're exactly right. There, there's your answer. It's ridiculous. I mean, at, at what point? Football going to 12. There's 130 teams. 12 out of 130 is not excessive. And I know there's more basketball teams, but 68 is more than plenty. It's too many. It should be 64. I mean, 12 out of 130, you're talking about 8%. Right now in basketball, you're talking about 20%. 300-and-something teams, 68 of them get in. You know, football, if you're talking about about the playoff, you're talking about 4 out of 130 currently. If you're talking about the postseason, you're talking about, what, 60? Half the country? Yeah, what are we doing? And it's not like it's the NFL, right, where like half the league makes the playoffs because the entire league is capable of beating each other. Like St. Peter's is a cute story, but they can't win anything. And that was demonstrated even during their magical, unbelievable, incredible storybook run. It got to a point where they can't win. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have called him a moron. Schmuck was good, though. (laughs) Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll be back. Talk Mississippi. 
Be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. So I'm going to put you down for a while. Ceasefire text line, I believe expanding the basketball tournament in the long run will dilute the money because of viewership. That'd be the really long run, because in the short run, that number would go up because there would be more inventory. Period. Number would get bigger, significantly bigger, because there would be more games. Um, Hunter and Columbus, we need more Mad Richard. That's why I play the heel on here so much. Love when you guys get fired up. When Richard called the guy a schmuck, I laughed so hard I almost ran off. Please don't do that. Please don't run off the road. Please. Ah. It's almost got to worry about with Auburn this weekend. And, 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 and let me, I, I know that's a very broad question. Yeah. But I do feel like, as a backdrop, I should echo something that Brian Haydad, in his laid-back, lazy boy in the studio, said earlier this week about Mississippi State and Kentucky. State's got to go in and they got to play. They go in and play well. If they do, they're going to leave Lexington a winner on Saturday night. If Ole Miss goes into Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium and plays well, they will beat Auburn on Saturday. They're better than Auburn. But that can't be confused with just kind of rolling the hats out there and boom, you win. And there's, what do we say, a hundred years of history that tell you tells you that that is true. Yeah. With Ole Miss and Auburn. Neither one so of these teams are good enough just to get off the bus and win. They got to play. And frankly, not many teams are anymore. And, and example number one should be Georgia at Missouri two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just they barely won. good enough to get off the bus and win. So, Borky, if you're looking at this game from the Ole Miss perspective and you're dissecting Auburn, what are the things that stand out for you? Um, A quarterback that has the ability to beat you with his legs. Now, I'm not going to talk about the the, the passing game because that just simply doesn't exist. But, I mean, State saw it with with Jaden Daniels, right? I mean, they had a good plan. They had him bottled up. And yet, that game got close and kind of funky, and suddenly he started extending plays and getting first downs on broken situations, and then it got weird. Ashford has the ability to do that, too. If, for whatever reason, you allow him to escape broken pockets and beat you with his legs, he is athletic enough to to do that, uh, for sure. I do think also, I mean... It was better in the second half last week. They did a really good job stopping Kentucky's running game. But at times this year, Ole Miss's defense has shown susceptibility to power runs. 
And Troy Brown sounds like he's going to play, but he's not 100%. And nobody really is this time of year. But especially, he got banged up pretty bad in the Vanderbilt game. Tank Bigsby and Auburn's going to, I assume, try to line up and run right at Ole Miss and see if if they've got it. Because Vanderbilt had success doing that in the first half last week. Tulsa had success doing it. There's an argument to be made that Vanderbilt's offensive line is better than Auburn's. Yeah, true. There is. Um, so that would concern me. What kind of world are we living in? Goodness gracious. Ole Miss did make adjustments. They they went to four-man fronts. I expect to see a lot of that this week, honestly, uh, because they've got the bodies to be able to do it now as opposed to last year where it was, okay, you want them to run four-man defensive lines. Tell me who the fourth man is. That question is an easier answer this year. But that concerns me, running quarterback and then – if for whatever reason they can't stop the power runs up the middle because Auburn's got a back that is a punisher. So Robbie Ashford is the second leading rusher on Auburn's team this year. In six games, he's carried it 59 times for a net of 274 yards, sack yardage factored in. He's averaging 4.6 yards per carry, has one rushing touchdown, and he's going for 45 yards a game. Auburn is a team. And this is a school that has made its living running the football for as long as we've been watching the Auburn Tigers. Averages 148 yards per game. Tank Bigsby, who many of us thought maybe was the best, that that was my preseason first team All-SEC running back. He's averaging 57.5 yards a game and 4.4 yards per carry. It goes to show you, like you mentioned before, how bad they are around him because when you watch him play you still see that ability like you were just in putting him where you put him he still looks like that guy but you can't do it all on your own though compare Auburn to Ole Miss Auburn averaging 142 yards a game on the ground Ole Miss is averaging 242 yards per game on the ground and all Auburn does is run yeah, through the air, Robbie Ashford is completing 48% of his passes with four touchdowns and three interceptions. That 48 number feels high, if you can believe that. Auburn as a team is throwing it for 218 yards per game. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on this Thursday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Spectacular weather coming up this weekend. You can get out and play beautiful golf in lovely Philadelphia, Mississippi at Pearl River Resort and Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You want to be a part of the conversation? Hope you'll join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. 
you're going to play, play M-Trade. The fall schedule is winding down a bit, but it's not done yet. This weekend, a U-Triple-S-A fast pitch tournament. Next weekend, you've got the Fall State Championships Baseball Tournament. That's also U-Triple-S-A. And then the Texas-Mississippi Bombers Southeast Invite Fall Showcase is happening the last weekend in October. A couple of tournaments happening in November as well, so still time to get your team into Oxford and M-Trade Park for baseball this fall. And it's not too early to start planning for the spring. Go to the Schedule tab at mtradepark.com to find out about the events that are on the horizon. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough, but don't you dare stop there. You want to get behind the wheel of an F-150. F-Series is the best-selling truck in America for 45 straight years. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So we talked a lot yesterday about Mississippi State and Kentucky, the matchup in Lexington on Saturday night. Let's dive a little deeper into this matchup with Ole Miss and Auburn. We kind of started that conversation before the break, just a couple of minutes. A couple of things, if you start going through all 64 pages of the SEC stats packet, your eyes will go cross-eyed. I mean, like, you'll, you'll just start swimming. But I do think there's some things that stand out. And... I don't know if you guys are more interested in total offense, total defense, or scoring offense, scoring defense. I tend to gravitate toward scoring numbers because we got a scoreboard, and ultimately that's the stat that matters the most. Ole Miss is third in the SEC. They are averaging 39.67 points per game. If you're rounding up, that's 40 a game. Auburn is averaging 20.33 points per game. You're rounding, again, that's 20 points per game. So Ole Miss, in terms of scoring offense, is 20 points per game better than Auburn this year. Auburn, through six games, has scored 15 touchdowns, and they've kicked six field goals. Ole Miss, through six games, has scored 32 touchdowns, and they have kicked four field goals. So there's scoring offense, scoring defense. Ole Miss is third in the SEC. They're giving up 14.5 points per game. Auburn is 11th. They're giving up 25 points a game. 19 touchdowns allowed for Auburn this season. 10 touchdowns allowed for Ole Miss. Now, are the schedules identical? Of course they're not. Auburn had Penn State in the non-conference. They played Georgia last weekend. right? So, so that's going to lead a little bit to some of the imbalance But the sample size at this point is big. We're halfway through the season for almost all of college football. Everybody in the SEC but Tennessee is at the halfway point of their year. you got several teams that have got an open date this weekend. Tennessee had theirs a little early. They've only played five games so far. So we have gotten to the point where the sample size for this year is big enough to matter. So I'll kind of open it up to you guys. It's easy to say the only thing that's interesting about Auburn right now is the future of their program in terms of who the head coach is going to be. And I think universally people believe that 
Brian Harson is not going to be the head coach at Auburn next year? Like, if you can find somebody that believes he is going to be, then you have found a unicorn. The question is, how long is he going to be the head coach? Will it be the remainder of the season? Will it happen after this week? But let's take it a step beyond that. Let's let, let's not just stop at the surface level. That can't be the only thing that stands out for you at Auburn. Is there anything about Auburn that stands out in a positive way? They're, they're pretty. They're not terrible defensively. They're good. They're pretty good defensively. Derek Hall is a really good football player. They have some talent up front. They they had. I mean, they were up fourteen nothing on Missouri. They were up seventeen. I'm sorry, fourteen nothing. I'm sorry, seventeen nothing on LSU. And they just can't hold on because in the second half you can, they can't do anything offensively. But I won't be totally surprised if they come out of the gate and do some things and and rock Ole Miss a little bit, and then in the end Ole Miss just takes over and wins. Can I cheat and say that this is this game and what's interesting about the actual football game absent Brian Harson? I think really centers around Ole Miss and how they play. Because regardless of you know, there's a state fan out there listening that thinks Ole Miss is just terrible, right? So t- taking away that, a team that is ranked in the top ten has. I'll be very tame here to not piss that person off. Has very high expectations. When you're at the halfway point and you're 6-0, and there are a lot of things that are on the table for you. Before you laugh, they do control their own destiny in the SEC West, in the SEC, in the playoff. I know, but they do. Uh, an access bowl is absolutely on the table for this team in another historic season. Recruiting, I mean, they've got big-time players in town this weekend. There's a lot still that... That is on the line for for Ole Miss. And so if they are any of those things, if they are really a top 10 team, if Lane Kiffin is the guy that's turning the program from a team that has flashes in the pans to a consistent national contender, all that, you win this game and you win it rather comfortably. At least you should. And so what I'm interested in is, is how Ole Miss plays. Because I've seen people say things like, oh, they haven't played a complete game all season. First of all, that's not true. They have one. That's one more than zero. But it's about how they play. Do they actually come out focused and energized and execute and then continue that through the first, second, and third, and fourth quarters of a football game against what you think is a lesser, albeit talented opponent? Can Jackson Dart not have the vomit plays like he had in the first half in Nashville when he threw for 450 yards. Can you do that? Are you done with the offensive line shuffling? Are you more solid there with positions and and who's where? Are the snaps going to be good? Defensively, are you going to be physical for four quarters instead of just two like you were last week? I think everything interesting about this game settles on in my opinion, how Ole Miss plays, how Jackson Dart plays, and how they look. Because if they are as good as you think they are, they need to start looking like it for entire games. Because you can't, as Lane Kiffin said at halftime, going into the locker room, he said they screwed around. And he was right. I mean, they did. They clearly were playing with their food. They were screwing around, for lack of a better phrase. You can't, you can't screw around this Saturday. 
You can't screw around against Arkansas. You can't screw around against Texas A&M. You sure can against Alabama and Mississippi State. Complete games have to begin this week. So I'm fascinated to see if Ole Miss is able to put one of those together for the second time this season. Hey, Dad, I'm curious. You know, we do Mm -hmm. predictions all the time, and and we kind of do them at the beginning of the year, and we do the best case, worst case, most likely. What what was your was your Ole Miss prediction? Eight and four. It was seven and five. Losing the Egg Bowl was the difference. Okay, I had them losing. LSU, Arkansas. I didn't lose to Kentucky. Kentucky, LSU, Arkansas, Alabama State. But you had them beating A and M. Mm-hmm. And you finished with State at eight and four with a win in the Egg Bowl. Eight and four. Yes. At, at this point, would you revise both of those predictions, or would you leave them where they are? Well, I mean, not to give it away, I guess, but I mean. I'm going to pick State tomorrow, and I had State losing to Kentucky in my, my preseason yeah, I mean, prediction. Yeah, I don't think that's giving anything away. Yeah. Um, and then the Egg Bowl, I mean, it's still it's it's a huge toss-up for me. I, I feel like Ole Miss is good. I mean, I understand wanting to see more from Ole Miss, but they obviously are talented, and they're going to get to play at home. And, you know, Dart, it feels like Dart gets better every gets a little better every week. He threw some bad picks last week. But he also threw for 450 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. But, but um, do you still think that Ole Miss is losing to LSU and to Arkansas? Arkansas, I think they will lose. I feel like Arkansas Arkansas is not as bad as they played these last three weeks. They're they're not. They 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 are they that now that said, Arkansas Ole Miss the craziest game in college football every year. So anything could happen in that game. Um, but I think hold, they will lose to Arkansas, that LSU. Let, let, Let's pick that up when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. That's the start of your college football fix. We'll continue after this. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Part text line 601-879-4395. David in Tupelo. All those stats are true. You got to look at Ole Miss's schedule. Very light on the front end. However, they have done a good job beating who they played. They did what they had to do, but they just haven't faced true SEC competition. Kentucky's the closest they've played. Ole Miss won. Kentucky self imploded to help with that, but they won. And then he says, "I'm a state fan." By the way, I would have guessed that, David. Um, I agree with most of what you say. I, I think it's disingenuous to say that Kentucky self-imploded. Ole Miss made plays defensively at the end of that ball game, and Kentucky never let, not for one second in that game, did Kentucky have a lead on the scoreboard. Did Kentucky make mistakes? Sure. But every team makes mistakes in every game. And Kentucky was ranked seventh in the country well, did going K- into that game. Did Kentucky make mistakes? So did Ole Miss. Jackson Dart threw an interception deep in Kentucky territory right before the end of the half. I mean, it's not like Kentucky was the only team that made mistakes. It's just a weird narrative that people are still hanging on to 10 days later. It's like we, yeah. we, we do this all off season. Got to wait till Kentucky. Got to wait till Kentucky. Got to wait till Kentucky. They beat Kentucky. Ah, well, that doesn't matter. Um... 
I only listen to hear, hey, Dad, put down Ole Miss and build up Mississippi State. Hail State, I guess. Okay, Everybody then. has their reasons for listening. At least they're honest. All right, so, hey, Dad, we were talking about prediction adjustments for you. I'm going to do the same thing with Borky, mm-hmm. and I'll do that with me in just a second as well. So you predicted that Ole Miss was going 7-5, and five, but you had them losing to Kentucky, so that notches it, it up on. one. Mm-hmm. Do you think Ole Miss is winning in College Station against A&M? Oh, you oh, had yeah. them. You had, yeah, had them winning so. that game. I had them winning Miss, it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Ole Miss is beating LSU and Baton Rouge next weekend? Yes, I do now. Yes, I will. I will adjust that one. All right. So that's nine. I just. Yeah. You're not going to flip your Egg Bowl prediction because you're not going to flip your Egg Bowl prediction. I mean, you could talk me into flipping my Egg Bowl prediction. Maybe it has to be a good talk. Yeah. But I mean, I think Ole Miss is good. I mean, that game is a, is, a, is absolute toss up. And I don't think anybody game today. Ole Miss minus two and a half is what I would guess. I think that's probably about where it should be. I think about a field goal game is probably where it should be. I was talking. We talked today. I did the podcast for tomorrow with Robbie Falk, and we were talking when that first playoff poll comes out. Even if state, I think I don't know when the first playoff poll is off the top of my head, but I'm going to assume it's the weekend after the Auburn game. So state should be seven and two. State could be in the top ten of the playoff poll. The, the computers really like state. And if yeah. they beat, if they had beaten Alabama, or I'm sorry, if they had beaten uh, LSU, they might be like fifth or sixth. Yeah, you may be right about that. So we'll see what happens when that when that poll comes out. So, so yeah, I will adjust my 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 LSU prediction. So that would be nine and three. I'll have them losing to Alabama. God, that's a tough way to go out, lose the last three at 9-0. and But that's what I got. Forky, where'd you have Ole Miss going into the year? 8-4. and four. Okay. I think they'll get to 10 now. I don't know exactly which because college football season works in ways. It has so much to do with health. and Yeah, but I think they... they they will be favored to get to 10. And that might be an undersell. Yeah. What about State? Where'd you have them? Seven I believe, and five? Uh, yeah, seven and five. And you adjust that up at this point, right? To nine. No, eight or nine. I haven't decided yet. So Georgia and Alabama being on their schedule, just plus they already have the loss makes it really hard to to even get them to nine because then that means they win the Egg Bowl. Because sitting here today, despite them both looking vulnerable, predicting wins for either of these teams over Alabama or Georgia is a homer's errand. Yeah, I think I think if I remember correctly, I had stayed at seven and five. And I'm adjusting it up a notch. I think eight and four is the play now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and, and the difference is the Egg Bowl between it, me and you. Uh, yeah, it is. It, it is. Here's where it gets weird for me on Ole Miss. And, you know, call me whatever you want to call me. That's fine. Ole whatever? Miss is 6-0. Oh. No, no, I, I just, yeah, I mean, yes, whatever you want to call me. I, but but I'm assuming <laughs> that Homer and red and blue glasses and all that stuff's at the top of the list. Oh, no. But I can't say those on the air. For, 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 for lots of people. <laughs> Ole Miss is sitting at 6-0. Oh. I think they're beating Auburn. I think they're beating LSU. I think they're beating Texas A&M. That's 9-0. and 
I'm not going to predict Ole Miss beats Alabama. Unless we find out that Bryce Young is significantly injured or isn't going to play. That might change it. What has Arkansas shown me, other than Ole Miss hasn't won in Fayetteville since the Houston Nut um, Bobby Petrino game? It was the last time Ole Miss won in Fayetteville. So Ole Miss That's doesn't win. In Fa- yeah, that was the that was Houston Nuts first oh. year, two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. Ole Miss has beaten Arkansas twice since then, but both times it's been a little rough. Yeah. Yeah. So Fayetteville has not been kind to Ole Miss. But what has Arkansas shown me that makes me believe that Ole Miss can't win that game? Nothing. So if you said Richard predict Ole Miss's record based on what they have left and where they are today. I would predict 11-1. and one. Could they finish 9-3? and three? Of course. Could it be 10-2? and two? Yeah, absolutely. But if I'm just looking at the rest of the schedule going, who's better, Ole Miss or the team they're playing? Other than Alabama, I would say Ole Miss is better than who they're playing. I think it's really, really, really marginal against Mississippi State based on how both teams are playing right now. I'm crazy for predicting that, then so be it. Yeah, we can all look at the same games and have different opinions on them. Ceasefire text line, Ole Miss Auburn going to be closer than everyone thinks. It always is. Well, it's not always because normally it's. Ole Miss fans think it's going to be closer than it's going to be, and then Auburn ends up winning by a couple of touchdowns. I mean, if you look at the series, that's what people normally think. I know why we do the history stuff, and the history stuff matters for this game on the result. But, I mean, are we really going to say, well, in 2018 this happened, and so therefore it's going to happen this well, year too? I, 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 that what the history stuff is, game. what the history stuff is, is that Auburn out-recruits Ole Miss basically every year. That's the history stuff. They have talent. But now, Ole Miss has a better roster well. today than Auburn has. Today than the uh, yeah. Uh, Ole Miss but there's is a not, more but we can't talented say that not, roster than Auburn's is. I would say Ole Miss's roster is playing better than than Auburn's is. It's a bad Auburn roster, man. They're bad at wide receiver. They're bad on the offensive well, they, line. They're bad at quarterback. They're bad in the back end of the secondary. They're bad. But they the have kick. some talent. Anders Carlson, who's been there forever, is bad yeah, he's not kicking playing. the football this year. It's bad. It's weird how bad he is, but. Auburn has talent, and that's that's the history that you should pay attention but to. But do they right now? now? We, we talked, that's the question I'm asking. We talked do about the blue really chip right index now? back in June or July whenever it came out. Auburn's in that. They're like 54 55% of their roster is four- and five-star kids out of high school. They're just playing poorly. They're poorly coached. They're not so, motivated. So, so, so they have, it, it's And they don't have a quarterback. That's the biggest and, issue. But they've also got a massive injury issue. That blue chip index yeah. includes like five offensive linemen that aren't even playing. No, no question, no question. Auburn is still a talented team, though. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'll die on that hill. I'm not gonna sit, let, let's say Auburn's not talented, but they're just a bad team. So you can have a bad, talented team. It happens a lot. Look at Texas A&M. All right, uh, Josh in Laurel says Robbie Ashford is better than he has played. He's not though. He's electric with his so. feet, and he can't throw the football. 
I mean, not to say he can't develop into something else, but he's he's really not. The, the way you played is really all that matters. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a good athlete. Let's see here. Hey, Dad says, I don't pick State to win every year. I did this year. Guess what? Everyone adjusted their picks. State has a good veteran team. Hunter, Hunter also says Ole Miss isn't better than State. Only Ole Miss fans think that. We'll find out. I disagree that only Ole Miss fans think that. I'm sure plenty of people think that, you know, it's Ole Miss is better than State. I mean, they they would be the favorite. We're going to find today. out in a few weeks. And the game's not today. I think they would be a favorite, yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, so Keith and Vaden. That's a good says, question tomorrow, by the way, for Bruce Marshall. Maybe okay. to ask him, What's hey, that? if the Egg Bowl was today, what, would you, what do you think the line on that game would be? Yeah. Uh... Let's see here. Please tell me how Ole Miss is better than State. They're more um, explosive. Let me think on that. I, I, I want to think about how I answer that. Yeah, and I'm not being flippant, and I'm not trying to like find reasons or excuses. Like I, I want to genuinely think about that question, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We'll be right back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Supertalk Mississippi. So the question on the table is, why would you say Ole Miss is better than Mississippi State? Sports Talk Mississippi, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Show's brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Somebody asked in the show earlier today, where can we get one of those golf shirts like Michael Borky's wearing with the Super Talk logo on it? I've got a yeah. Genteel shirt on. As well, just doesn't have the uh, Super Talk logo on it. You can get them at genteelapparel.com, not with the, the logo. Maybe we can work on that at some point. In fact, we'll give some of those away as we get closer to the holiday season to uh, to some of you. But you can get your own between now and then. Polos, pullovers, vests, jackets, pants, shorts, whatever it is you're looking for. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm not saying this because they're a sponsor, they're a partner on the show. I have made a full switch. I was a religious wearer of a different brand of golf shirt. I probably had, I don't even want to count how many of them I had in my golf, in my closet. And these have changed everything. I absolutely love them. I love the collar, love the way they feel, love the way they fit, and you will too. Genteelapparel.com or visit a men's specialty store all across Mississippi. They are all over the place. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So, I, look, I mean, there are subjective ways that you can do this. There are objective ways, I suppose, that you can do this. If you want to do objective, you're going by that SEC stats package I was giving you a little while ago. But even that's not completely objective because they haven't played the same teams, right? So you you, you can only play who's on your schedule. 
So let's do this by position group. Start with offense. Quarterback. Advantage Mississippi State. It's advantage Mississippi State. Will Rogers is rewriting the record books, not only at Mississippi State, but in the SEC in the passing game. Does the offense lend itself to that? Yes. He's running the offense. That's the offense they're running. Will Rogers is the advantage, at least at this point in his career, over Jackson Dart. When Jackson Dart's in his third year of starting, maybe you feel differently about the answer to that question, but as of today, you go advantage Will Rogers. Running backs. I think that's pretty clearly advantage Ole Miss. I actually think Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson are, are both really good running backs. They're great in this system, no question. But Ole Miss's running backs are better. And I think Judkins and and Evans would be just fine in Mississippi State's system. Yeah. Receiver's one I'm thinking about a little bit. So Mississippi State very defined in what they do with their receivers. Love Rara Thomas and and Tulu Griffin. I've said it a million times. I'd have those guys on the field at the same time. Um, Rufus Hardy, Jaden Wally is the first two at the Y. Caleb Ducking, Antonio Harmon is the first two at the Z. I honestly think receiver is really, really close. When you look at Ole Miss's receiving group, you're obviously starting with Jonathan Mingo. Malik Heath has had a big season. Mississippi State fans certainly have their opinions about Malik Heath. Jordan Watkins has emerged. There's not a ton of depth. Jalen Knox has never popped like Ole Miss thought he was going to. Jalen Robinson has been a non-factor because of injury this year. So if you're going depth of receiver group, I would say Mississippi State. Obviously, the numbers for the receivers are going to be up because of the offense that Mississippi State runs. But in a lot of ways, Jonathan Mingo is the great equalizer for me. I'd kind of call receiver a draw, but hey, Dad, you may disagree with that. What I would point out about Mingo is he has 507 yards on the season, but he had 242 last week against Vanderbilt, one of the worst defenses in the country. Prior to that, he, had, he wasn't having a, a tremendous season. He would have been State's fifth or sixth leading receiver. So I want to see him. I don't expect him to have 250 this week, but can you string together back-to-back games? I would give receiver the edge to State just because of the depth. Um, I don't have a major issue with that. Uh, Mississippi State doesn't play with a tight end, and Ole Miss is down there starting tight end. So we'll just kind of set that one to the side. What about offensive line? <laughs> Call it a push. Yeah. Um. I think offensive line is an interesting debate. And I might call it a draw. Mississippi State's offensive line is playing really well right now. Are they going to maintain that level of play? I don't know. Ole Miss's offensive line has been really good this year. Ole Miss has had an awful time with snaps, which is one of the more basic things that has to happen on the offensive line. you got to get the ball from the center to the quarterback. Where do you fall on the offensive line in comparing the two? If I'm getting the offensive line State's had the last two weeks, I would take State. But Ole Miss's offensive line, especially from a run-blocking perspective, has just been really, really solid this year. So yeah. push sounds about right to me. Okay. Let's go to the defensive side. A little bit different systems. State goes three defensive linemen, three linebackers. Ole Miss goes four defensive linemen, two linebackers. And then Ole Miss really a lot of the times plays six DBs, whether it's one linebacker or just two defensive linemen. I lean in the direction of Ole Miss on the defensive line. 
combination of Cedric Johnson and J.J. Pegues and K.D. Hill. Tavis Robinson has played pretty well, too. But I think there's some depth there with that group. I would give Ole Miss the edge on the defensive line. It's really close. I might agree with you. I'm interested to see when we get to the Egg Bowl because Jaden Crumity should be back by then. Yeah, and and that makes clearly that's a, makes that's a, a difference big piece for Mississippi for State. State. It is because right yeah. now they're what Jordan Davis and Cameron Young and is it Charlton Pickering. or is, is Pickering moved out a little bit? The, the, well, no, the starting three would be Charlton, uh, Young, and Pickering. Okay, even though they've got them listed differently than that on the depth chart. Okay. Yeah, Pick Pickering is, is playing out wide. So linebacker, Mississippi State's got three of them, which almost gives them an advantage there. I love Jet Johnson. I feel like every time I turn on the television, Tyrus Wheat's making a play this season. Mm-hmm. He's been really, really good. And, and, and that's not to diminish Nathaniel Watson. It's kind of playing the, the mic. He, he's been fine also. For, for Ole Miss at linebacker, you're talking about Austin Keys, Kari Coleman backing him up. He just hasn't been healthy since the Georgia Tech game. Troy Brown, who's banged up now, and Ashanti Sistrunk. That's a really good group of four linebackers. I think I would give Mississippi State a slight edge at linebacker. I would, too. Buki Watson's playing well this year. State's getting Deshaun Page back this week. And in the last two weeks, J.P. Purvis has kind of made his uh, appearance. He looks like a, a really good player. The secondary, and, and I kind of go back to what we were talking about with the difference in numbers, Ole Miss tends to play. They play a lot of dime. I mean, there's a lot of six-man looks out there. DeAndre Prince and Davison Igmanosin, who, by the way, is a true freshman starting at the corners, and Prince has been really, really good this year. Ishim Young at strong safety, A.J. Finley, you know, veteran at free safety, Otis Reese, Tysheem Johnson. That's a good secondary for Ole Miss. I would say, hey, Dad, overall the secondary advantages for Ole Miss, but I would use the same logic that I use with Jonathan Mingo kind of being the great equalizer in balancing things out. I think Emmanuel yeah. Forbes is kind of the great equalizer for Mississippi State. State needs to get some picks from people other than Emmanuel Forbes. Jackie Matthews had one last week. Jalen Green had one early in the season. Uh, they need DeCamerian Richardson to start picking off some passes on the other side there and, and try to help him out. But, yes, Forbes is the equalizer. And, and of course, um, you, you had the big special teams play uh, a couple of weeks ago from DeCamerian Richardson uh, against Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, so special teams. <laughs> <laughs> if you take out kicking. Ole Miss is better at kicker. Yes. Punter, I, I don't know. Six punters Whatever. have been good this year. Jodopolis and Trafford. Ole Miss has been fine in, in punting. Yeah. Kickoff, you know, whatever. Kick return, I'd give the advantage to Mississippi State with Tulu Griffin and, and Xavier Thomas. Have they changed anything in punt return, or is it still Austin Williams? No, it's Xavier Thomas. Okay, so they've moved Xavier. Mississippi State is. I don't think Austin not. Williams will, will return a punt ever okay. again. I would be really surprised. Ole Miss in the kick return department hasn't done a lot. Um, Dayton Wade's been okay. Jordan Watkins has been okay in punt return. In the return game, I would give Mississippi State the advantage. Okay. I mean, we didn't. We, well, what does all of that it, add it's up close. to? It's really close. It's close. 
I, I'll be surprised tomorrow if, if we ask Bruce that question, if he says anything more than two or three points. Either way. Uh, Dale from the Delta says, honestly, if you take out extra points, State wins special teams running away. But you can't do that. But you can't take out extra points. You can't. The field goal kicking is the most important part, I would say, of, of special teams. That's where you actually put points on the board. David and this Ripley game, says, we're talking about a two-point game. That's key. David Ripley says, ready for the Egg Bowl. To heck with intangibles. Let's go. Let's go. I stay ready. Let's go. Tim says, sounds like Richard knows State is better but hates to say it. I mean, could we have done that more down the line? <laughs> Borky, were you keeping score? Which side finished with more position groups that are slightly better? Whichever one bothers the listener more. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up with you next. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, mom, sit when you move. Make you sweat. Make you groove. Nothing like a good old egg bowl breakdown at the halfway point of the season. Love it. It came from nowhere. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you one last time on this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, as we told you earlier, we will be at the Ole Miss School of Business Banking Symposium at the Oxford Conference Center. They will get started with the Gallo Show at 6 o'clock. Gerard will be there from 10 until 1. Then we'll be there tomorrow afternoon from 3 until 6. And uh, we always enjoy that. We, uh, we've had a good time with that. Got into a cryptocurrency conversation last year that was kind of fascinating. We did. You remember that? I wonder what that conversation is like this year. Uh, less um, effusive, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, perhaps. Thanks for all the messages on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. We always, uh, we always say... You know, when we do this off-topic stuff, we get a lot of interaction on the text line. And we do. We do. When we start talking about food or, or, or art or whatever, we will get some interaction. Let's just talk about the Egg Bowl. People show up for that discussion. Borky, somebody wants to know, is this a Zeppelin-inspired show? All day. Been Kinda great. All day. Love it. All, uh, I'm still Borky. waiting on my Van Halen show. I want a Van Halen show, Borky. You sure. give you give in the guy in the middle. He gets he gets Buffett shows every now and then. Oh, I've do for me those out. I'm just saying. Well, I got in trouble for that. For for phasing out for Buffett. Phasing out Buffett. Yeah, a couple listeners were like, "Hey, what happened to Buffett Friday?" Oh, I thought Let's you meant that a little bit in the spring. Yeah, spring and summer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just saying. Uh, Keith says, "Richard, you're going to have to talk politics in the morning now." Probably going to have more of a banking and finance slant than a political slant, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. We'll see. You probably have a lot more guests than we'll have. That's likely. Uh, Bruce Marshall will join us tomorrow afternoon from the Gold Sheet. Always enjoy our conversations with Bruce. We will have a Food Friday. That will be wonderful. 
Will East will be by that to talk bum, some high school. Will East will join us. Uh, that that bum. Uh, we'll talk some high school football with him tomorrow, and who knows what else? Make some picks. Yeah. It'll be fun. Two big games to preview. Two questions. Two questions. Let's go. What if I introduce that segment exactly that way in the middle of the banking and finance symposium? Yes. Please do. And anybody that doesn't like like it is a stiff anyway. Yeah, just get up there, brother Mike. Are you ready? With all these, I don't Maybe I shouldn't say that, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, what was that? Hey, Dad? Clip it. Clip it, Morky. Are you prepared? Clip it. Uh, Richard, are you going to broadcast in the Grove on Saturday morning? Now, Gary Darby is handling the Ole Miss pre- and post-game show. They have been kind to uh, to let me kind of hang out on the sidelines still some when uh, when I'm available and don't have TV assignments. So I'll be there this weekend and get to go to Baton Rouge next weekend also. That's probably it. Morky, a friend of mine. Porky, a friend of mine just texted me who's one of the, the chefs at one of my favorite restaurants, so good guy to know. He said he wants to drink beer and listen to Led Zeppelin with you. Oh, I'm down. So I'll see Always if we can make that happen. All right. Borky doesn't like people, beer. but he likes your friend. <laughs> yeah. I like people. I just don't like, uh, like, for example, and I know it's the Internet, and the Internet can't be taken as real life, but I very sarcastically, and you have to be brain dead to not understand that I was being sarcastic. So Lane Kiffin tweeted a picture of him, that that iconic image of him with, with his head down, stressing about having to walk into the press conference to tell the media he's leaving Tennessee. And that's a, it's a pretty uh, – there, there's a lot of emotions in the image, right? And he, he talks constantly about how if, if he could go back, he would not have done that. He regrets mm-hmm. that decision. And so with Tennessee playing this week and, and all that, he, he tweeted it for whatever reason because he does that sometimes, probably to stoke a reaction from Tennessee fans. He seems to enjoy doing that. But there By were the a, way, his tailor for those suit ma- pants was Omar the tent maker. Yeah, awful. But but a lot of people were <laughs> I could fit into those. trying to do the, well, what does it mean? What is he saying? Probably nothing. It's Twitter. And I sarcastically on Twitter said, sorry, guys, Lane Kiffin clearly tweeted that picture as a subliminal message to tell you he's going to Auburn. And dozens of people were like, no, you idiot, you're wrong. He's staying. It's like, how stupid are you guys? Like, does your brain not work? Like, we share roads with each other. Oh, I, I've got my kid on, in my car when right I'm driving. Now. Hey, Dad, I don't know if you saw this message from Tar- uh, Tyler in Corinth. Borky's attitude toward dissenting listener opinions is absolutely grimy, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's just crazy. Like, do I have to spell it out for you? I clearly don't think he was delivering a subliminal message on Twitter. How dumb are you people? What was it, opposite day? Apparently. Hey, two college football games tonight. Baylor and West Virginia, they kick off in like five minutes on FS1. That's a real game. Temple at UCF also kick off in about five minutes on ESPN something. One of the ESPNs. Uh, ESPN. The Ocho. Big, big ESPN. Thanks for being with us. This was fun today. Let's do it again tomorrow. For Michael Borky and Brian Ed, I'm Richard Cross. Adios.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.